See, knowing who Jesus is can mold your character. Character defined by D.L. Moody is, who are you when you're all alone? Who are you when you're in the dark? It can, he can mold your character. character. Knowing who Jesus is will impact your belief system. Every single one of you and myself sitting here tonight has a belief system. Is it in the Messiah? The one who came for you to have a love relationship with God the Father? Knowing Jesus will impact your belief system. And thirdly, knowing Jesus will change your lifestyle. I know that I know because Jesus that I call the hound of heaven because he loves you so much and he just keeps coming after you and coming after you and coming after you and coming after you. And he kept coming after me. He molded my character. He impacted my belief system. And he certainly changed my lifestyle. For some of you who might know my testimony, and others you might not, I was born uh, and raised in a Christian family. When I was eight years old, I decided, you know, uh, I better believe in this Jesus guy. Uh, so I made a head decision that, you know, I don't want to go there. So I decided I'd better do something. And little did my mom know, but she started her prayer journey for me at that point. And all the little bunny paths that this prayer journey would go on. And so I'm in high school. I was born and raised in Orange, New Jersey, and then Philadelphia, and then to Madison, Wisconsin. And I got to Monona Grove High School, and I thought, you know what? I don't need this Jesus guy. Put him in the back of my trunk and basically do whatever I want to do. Because the outside image was really, really important to me. Had to be a pom-pom girl, had to be a cheerleader, had to go with the right guy, had to wear the exact right clothes. I mean, outside was all important and what was inside didn't make any difference in me. And it brought much, much grief to my parents. I remember coming down Stairs, my mom would be sitting at the dinette table and she'd have her Bible open and uh, she'd have tear stains on her Bible. And I would stop and I didn't want her to feel my presence. And so I'd leave because I knew she was praying for me. And so I went away to college and did the five-year college approach. I did UW-Eau Claire, UW-Oshkosh, and UW-Madison. Because my degree was in fun, and thankfully, I did graduate. But fun and parties and men um, were all that I went to school for. And my mom would send incredible care packages to me. This is even before bubble wrap and all that neat high-tech stuff. She'd wrap all these great chocolate chip cookies and paper towels and lovingly care and send them in a box. And I'd ask all my friends to come in my dorm room and we'd sit and chow on them and they'd say, oh, your mom is so great and this, this. And then there'd be a little card in there that would be tucked away and I would grab it. And without opening it, I would put it in my bolster. I would hide it in my desk unopened. because I didn't want to take a chance on any conviction. And still my mom prayed for me. Well, right after graduation, 
I married a man who came with his own unique set of luggage, and I figured I could fix anything, and so uh, we got married. It only lasted for a year and a half, and he walked out. And that was the first hint in my life that I couldn't master my own world. And still my incredible mom prayed. I went from the frying pan to the fire, thinking that I could correct the past mistake that I made. And I again married. This time to a man who had 52-inch chest, 19-inch arms, owned a lot of health clubs, who emotionally and mentally and physically abused me for six years until I escaped at gunpoint one night and hid out for the next year. You see, nobody knew what was happening behind closed doors because I didn't want to be another failure to myself or failure to my family. And my world came crashing down around me. And still my mom prayed. At the same time, the advertising corporate ladder that I was on was going up, 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 went bankrupt. The annual UW Badger football game that my dad and I always went to together, I went home for it, and uh, instead of going to the Badger game, my dad moved to heaven that night. And divorce number two, all of that happened within nine months. And as I mentioned, I certainly wasn't in control. And all the while, my mom kept praying for me. And you know what she was praying? Lord, don't give Margot any peace. <laughs> you think he was answering that? Don't give Margot any peace until her peace rests in Jesus Christ alone. And ladies, I want to tell you something. That's the kindest prayer that you can pray for anyone who doesn't know Jesus personally, passionately, powerfully, and then eventually preeminently as ruler over their life. And in my utter dependence on myself, I hit absolute rock bottom. And I love the story that Jesus tells about the prodigal son in Luke. I started, like the prodigal son did, I started yearning to eat the pods that were meant for the pigs. But then in verse 17 it says, but when he came to his senses, but when he came to his senses, that means he recognized his sin. Sin, little tiny yes, great big I, little tiny N. Because it means I'm on the throne in my life. He recognized his sin. If you read farther in the, further in the prodigal son's story, he then confessed his sin. And then you know what he did? He repented. That means that he turned around and went the exact opposite way from the way he was going. So he left the far-off land and he returned home to his father. 
I repented. See, this time, I wasn't looking for like a ticket to heaven or like a, a quick magic God that you just pray to in, in case you're in trouble. This time, I let Jesus embrace my entire life. I let him take over my bedrooms of my life and my attics of my life, my garages of my life, my basements of my life, my great rooms of my life. And I asked him to come in and clean me up. So I gave a fresh start with the Messiah, the promised one, the Savior, whose name is Jesus. And in spite of all my poor choices, because God is full of grace upon grace upon grace upon grace, which means undeserved favor, he allowed me a third marriage. This time to Brian Fiesler, who loved Jesus to pieces. We've been married uh, 23 years ago in May, of, uh, tw May 27th in Maui, and I will never forget how the pastor said to us, may you look back at this day and see how small your love once was. And I remember thinking, you've got to be kidding me. We are, you know, Ken and Barbie here. You've got to be kidding me. I mean, this has got to be the best ever. And you know, as you walk through your marriage of 23 years, and Jesus is your head of your marriage and individually of you. Oh, it's so true. You look back and you see how small your love once was. And you know, even though I love Jesus to pieces and to distraction now, it doesn't mean that he comes into your life and just to make you happy. Did you know that? Your life is supposed to make him happy. And when it was my desire to have children, we went through four years of infertility. Our first baby was six months along in my pregnancy, and she died. She was stillborn, and she's buried on my dad's grave in Madison. Our second baby was four months along in my pregnancy, and uh, she died as well. And so God brought us children through the incredible miracle of adoption. And so Rebecca Elizabeth, who is a junior at Lake Country Lutheran High School, uh, was born in Madison. Her birth mom came to know Jesus Christ, uh, thankfully, through my life. In the six months that I walked with her through her pregnancy. She got married to a man who uh, was not the birth father, but to a man who came to Christ at Promise Keepers, and we were invited to the wedding. And she introduced us to all 300 people of her wedding, all 300 people, as these are the God-given parents of the child that I had. 